You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. We started talking last week about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue to do that probably for the next few weeks. One of the things, as Elder Frank had said, when you, when you become empowered by the Holy Spirit, things in your life change. I didn't necessarily say that just you change. I say things in your life change. You know, he mentioned that Pastor Thor's mailbox changed. And now his mailbox has changed. I love going to the mailbox because I never know what I'm going to find in there. But I love finding checks. Checks in the mail. Amen. Because things change. My things become blessed. It's a promise under Deuteronomy, under the Old Covenant. And if it was good in the Old Covenant, it's better in the New. Amen? And in Deuteronomy 28, it says, I shall be blessed in my coming in and my going out. He's going to bless me in the fruit of my body and in the produce of my ground. The increase of my herd, the increase of my cattle, the increase of my flocks and my crops. He's going to increase everything in my basket and my kneading bowl. See, when you are powered by the Holy Spirit, not only you change, but your life changes. Life around you changes. It responds to the power that is working in you. And that's what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. That it says, He will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Now see, a lot of people stop right there. But that's not where Paul ended it. He said, according to the power working in you. So the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is very important. So we're going to continue. So go with me over to Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, or these are the children of God. And I, I really like this scripture because... You know, children get benefits that friends don't. Children get benefits that friends don't. Friends don't inherit. Children do. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children. In Romans chapter 4, it says that if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And you're an heir. Right? Children are heirs. I want what my Father has left for me. Amen? I'm an heir. The law says I'm entitled to it. I'm entitled to what my Father left for me. There's a whole court system set up to deal with nothing except for heirship, inheritances. That's what the whole probate process is. It's the the inheritance. And my Father has a lot that He has left for me. And I want it all. Because I'm a son. Because I'm led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Father, we thank you that we are now children. And as children, we're entitled to it all. Everything that you left behind for us is ours. And we lay claim to it today. We thank you. We don't go after and lay claim to it for the sake of lust or for the benefit of the flesh. But we do so for the benefit of the kingdom. 
Father, let us prosper spirit, soul, and body so that we have more than enough to meet our needs and enough left over to meet the needs of this world. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory in everything that we do and in everything that we have. Amen. So being empowered by the Holy Spirit, I ended last Sunday with a question. And so let me ask that question again. Are you ready? Are you willing to allow God to empower and to use you? This is a question that God has been asking you since you got saved. He is not looking for lip service. He is looking for heart service. For those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You have to worship Him with your being, who you are. There's a lot of people worshiping God with their lip service. They'll tell God whatever they think will get them what they, what they need. You know, and there's a lot, of, a lot of doctrines, a lot of, I'll call them schisms, a lot of these break-off gospels. You know, they'll call it the, the healing gospel, the prosperity gospel, the name-it-claim-it gospel. Now, all of them are based in fact and in truth. But what has happened is they've become lip service for the flesh. People have used it to control people. People have used it in order to gain from people. You see, God's looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and truth. People who, who will take everything that comes to them and they will use it to benefit the kingdom of God. Here's a newsflash for you. Whatever you accumulate in this lifetime, it's going to stay here. You don't get to take it with you. You don't get a special prize on your deathbed. You can't exchange it for more time. But when we enter our heavenly realm, when we stand before the judgment seat, when, when, when God looks upon us, like Pastor George said yesterday, is He going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Did we do with the things that, that we came in contact with what God wanted us to do? Were you led by the Spirit of God? Are you entitled to sonship? Are you entitled to be called a child? Are you entitled to the inheritance? Are you ready and willing to allow God to empower and use you? He's been asking this since the day you got born again. So let me start with five points to understand empowerment. Instead of you know, ending my service with five points, we're going to start the service today with, with five points. Number one, to be empowered... Power must be available. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. We would have built this great big building, put all the electrical in it, and all of the lights, and all of the cameras, and all of the things, the heaters, and all of the AC units. And then we said, okay, where do we get power? There's got to be power available. If there's not power available, something can't be powered. If there's not power available, you cannot be empowered. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Did he say you shall receive power when you get born again? No, what you receive is the new birth. Behold, all things are new. Right? You, you receive forgiveness. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's when you receive power. There are many people doing some incredible things, and they're doing it in their natural. 
I mean, I've, I've done some things in the natural. But I can tell you what, when God's at work in it, it multiplies what gets accomplished in life. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What does that power look like? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but that power is very noticeable because that power heals, that power produces miracles, that power produces prosperity, that power produces love, that power produces grace. That power is manifest when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall then be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed of people knowing that you're a believer. You're not ashamed of, being, of telling people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That He is the only way. He is the only truth, and He is the only one that provides life. There are many believers who never receive any power because... They don't believe. And I want everybody who can to make heaven. I want everybody who can to be in the kingdom. But there are many that sign up for the golden ticket to the city of paradise. But they never really become children of God. Because they're never led by the Spirit. They're like, well, I received Christ. I've got heaven. Yeah, but what else are you doing? What are you doing for, for, for the world? What are you... You know, are you just in this for yourself? I'm telling you, from being in churches in full-time ministry the last 27 years, there's a lot of believers who are in this thing for themselves. I mean, there's churches, if you came in and sat in one of the elders' seats, they'd like to throw you out of the church. What are we in this for? So there's got to be power available. And the, and the Bible says that power is available when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So to be empowered, there must be power. And that power lies within the Holy Spirit. Number two, next you must be imparted. That power must be imparted to you. Just because there's a huge transformer sitting up on the top of a power pole. Until it is imparted to the building, until it is imparted to your house, until it is connected there, your building, your house is going to be in darkness. So is the life of the believer. Until they get connected, until there's an impartation, until there's something that connects you to that power, that power isn't in operation. Acts 2.4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And when that power was imparted to them, when they were filled, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's why we generally, when, when, we're, when we're praying for somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believe that the, the evidence of that is in the free gift of tongues that comes with that. It's the gift of utterance. Because when the Holy Spirit infills you, now the Holy Spirit speaks through you. He's your communication to God. He's the way that you build yourself up on the most, your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the book of Jude. Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you guys. I mean, think about that. He's writing the book to an entire church. 
He said, there's things you lack. You've received the Holy Spirit. You've received the empowerment. But I'm walking in the empowerment. So there needs to be an impartation. If you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, ability to impart power, it'll be hard to receive that impartation. You must believe and receive the impartation. Amen? Amen. Let me just give you a quick example. Frank, come here. See, I can have this nice $100. I don't even know what country this came from. Where did I get this one? No. This one's from Romania, so it's probably worth a lot more. For example's sake, it is a hundred. We'll just leave it at that. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Now, Frank can be here, and I can have a hundred dollars right here, and I can have Frank's name written on it, right? But if Frank doesn't believe this is his, I can give it to Frank, but he doesn't receive it, right? It just rolls off his back like water off a duck, right? There's no impartation. To be imparted, you have to receive that which is in existence. You have to be able to take what is available. And there's an impartation. It's the same way, you can go back. Yeah, that'll probably get you, we'll probably won't even get you a cup of coffee anymore in Romania. Um, You have to have that impartation. Your building has to have the impartation, the connection of power. I mean, you can bring the wires all the way up to the power room door, but if it's not imparted, if it's not connected, you must be connected to the power to be empowered. The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall receive power from on high. And when He came upon them, they received the power, and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen? Number three, we must be fully persuaded, no doubting, that God's word is the final word. It's infallible and unmovable. One of the reasons believers are not walking in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is because they're not fully persuaded. Now, they believe that they've received the Holy Spirit. They've got the evidence of speaking in tongues, but they're not doing anything because they're not fully persuaded. Well, I don't want to tell this person if they tithe that their financial situation will change because if it doesn't, they're going to blame me. I don't want to tell this person that, that if they begin to bring offerings, the Bible says that they can receive a 30, 60, 100-fold return on their income. I don't want to, I don't want to pray for somebody who's got a, a sore back or somebody who's dealing with cancer or somebody who's got, got some kind of flu or vi- I don't want to pray for them. What happens if it jumps on me? See, they're not fully persuaded. Because the people in Nazareth were not fully persuaded, Jesus couldn't do any mighty works because of their unbelief. You need to be fully persuaded. You need to be fully engaged in God. So not only is it enough for for power to be in existence, not only is it enough for you to have the impartation, you must be fully persuaded that what God has promised, He's also able to perform. Ephesians 4, 14-16 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness, or the deceitful plotting. See, that's what happens to kids. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to get one over on a kid. Well, it's easy to get one over on a lot of Christians. There's false prophets and false ministers of the gospel doing it every day. Why? Because people aren't fully persuaded. If you were fully persuaded, you would know in what you believe, which means you would have the Bible on the inside of you. And when somebody comes with some silly doctrine, some silly teaching, some silly hoop to jump through, you'd go, what chapter and verse is that? I've read the book. I've read the book. I mean, it's red, it's pink, it's orange, it's, it's green. I mean, I've read it and I've studied it. What chapter and verse is that found in? Well, that's not in the Bible, but our denomination, our organization has determined. Ah, uh, mush, you know. You know what they used to say in Little Rascals? Fooey. It's garbage. It isn't worth two cents worth of nothing. We need to be fully persuaded, and we are fully persuaded when we are fully connected to the Word of God. Because it is infallible. It will never foul you up. Amen? Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. Acknowledge Him. And all your ways, He'll direct your path. See, we need to trust God. We need to believe. We need to be fully persuaded that what He has said, He is also able and willing and ready to perform. Amen? Because unbelief muffles the power. I mean, you ever heard of a race car with no mufflers on it? You ever got in the pits on 64 funny cars Sunday? You ever heard those things start up with those huge Hemi engines and side pipes and you know, ethanol and alcohol and just rumbling. Gone to the NASCAR track and hear those, you know, 11, 1200 horsepower stock cars go by you. People are wearing earphones to keep from having their eardrums hurting. Well, how do we muffle that? We put mufflers on it, right? And when you go get in your car today and drive home, you're going to be driving in a muffled car. But see, the sound of power is in the unmuffled race vehicles. I want you to be a dragster. I want you to be a funny car. I want you to be unmuffled. I want you to, to operate in the full power of God, fully persuaded that what God promised He'll perform. Amen? Number four, we must be willing. We must be willing. I mean, I can't make you do it. I mean, I can. I can embarrass you into doing it. Right? I could say, well, hey, come here. Everybody look at this person. We're going to have them lay hands on somebody. And if they don't get out of the, you know, their, 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 get rid of their crutches or out of their wheelchair or whatever, that'll tell you about them. I could embarrass you. That's not going to make you do it. You have to be willing God is looking for willing vessels. Jesus didn't come here and beat anybody into the kingdom of God. What did he keep doing? He, constantly. He says, go and tell nobody. No, he wasn't beating people into the kingdom. He wasn't going into the, to the temple with a whip 
and saying, I'll teach you to come into the kingdom of God and do it my way. I'll show you how the New Testament works. No, he went into the, to the temple and he chased out all the charlatans. He didn't make himself of any reputation. He was looking for people who were willing. When he came to Peter, James, and John, he found fishermen. And he says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their businesses willingly and followed him. We need to be willing. Isaiah 1 and 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. See, if you're willing and obedient to God's word, that's when empowerment can operate in your life. If you're willing, God is looking for willing vessels. God's not looking for people who want to do it their own way. There's a lot of those, a lot of unempowered, self-important people out there doing it their own way. I mean, I don't know if you remember back when, um, and then there's been several of them, but you know, the evangelist or prophetess or whatever, and she had blood coming out of her hands because it was the sign that Jesus, and feathers, the feathers of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, all, all of these things. Show me chapter and verse first. Oh, but people are, people are what? Show me chapter and verse. But they were all exposed because they weren't willing. They weren't willing to pay the price to seek first the kingdom of God. They weren't willing to do it uh, God's way, so they made up their own way of doing it to fool the people so they could take the offerings and they could be put on a pedestal of importance. But if you're willing to do it God's way, people's lives will be transformed and changed because His Word never returns void. It always accomplishes what it was sent to do. And it prospers, which means it makes whole or it makes better everything that it was sent to do. You can't just do it your way. It must be done God's way. Perfect Bible examples of this is Jonah. I mean, how many here know the story of Jonah, right? Jonah and the big fish, Jonah and the whale. Jonah tried to do it his own way, right? But it didn't work. He received a, a, a dispensation of grace. It's called a big fish or a whale. For three days, he was inside the belly of the big fish while he was getting his thinking straightened out. But when he came out of the big fish, his willingness had changed. Why do we have to wait for some event in life to happen? Why don't you just change your willingness right now? Because the Word says so. Think of Gideon. The angel of the Lord came to him and said, hey, mighty man of valor. And he's looking around going, who are you talking to? What you talking about, Willis? Remember different strokes? You know, he's like, what are you talking about? What mighty man? I'm down here hiding from the Midianites. I'm scared they'll find out where I'm at. That's why I'm threshing weed in the wine press. Right? So he was, he was trying to do it his own way. But, but Gideon got willing. And we know the story of Gideon and how he delivered the nation of Israel from the Midianites' hands. But he didn't do it his way. He did it God's way. Amen? Paul, John, and Peter all write in the epistles about the importance of being willing. So we need to be willing. So we need power. It must be imparted. We must be fully persuaded. We must be willing. And the fifth one is we must be mature enough to use the power. We must have obtain these things called knowledge and wisdom. We have to be mature. 
We have to have knowledge. Because if you don't, you will get off track. I mean, think about it. When you first got born again, if you had gone into one of these hospitals here and emptied out a whole floor healing everybody, it would have gone right to your head. You would have thought you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right? We need to mature. God wants to trust us, but He doesn't want to destroy us. We have to be willing to mature, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, let us leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I mean, we all have got that one, right? We know that we are to repent from our sins and the dumb things that we've done in life and move towards doing things right in God's way. And of faith towards God. I mean, we all should know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to be people of faith and please God. Of the doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead. We shouldn't have to talk about the resurrection of the dead. You should be performing it. How many dead people you raised this week? See, the problem is we have not entered into full maturity. The process of fully maturing as a believer will never end. Jesus never stopped it while he was here, and he never put a point, a stop point, in the Bible for us. He just said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And he says, while you're going through that, while you're doing the seeking over your, your, your lifetime, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself sufficient for the day. See, maturity. So when I'm acting on God's behalf, I'm not worried about what tomorrow's going to bring. I mean, for 55 years, God's managed to take care of my yesterdays. I'm sure for the rest of my life, He'll take care of my tomorrows. Amen? Maturity. We need to grow in maturity. All right, so the five again. We need the availability, the availability of power. Number two, it must be imparted to us. You must receive it. Number three, you need to fully be persuaded that's belief. We have to believe. We need to be willing. James calls it being a doer of the word. We need to be willing to, to put the word in, 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 into effect, to exercise it. Number five, we need the knowledge. We need to become mature in our faith. So now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read some parts of this again today. We still got a little bit of time left. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the spiritual, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That word ignorant again means lack understanding. This is the maturity part. Paul is telling us, hey, related to things spiritual, things related to the kingdom of God. Is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit something related to the kingdom of God? Paul's saying he doesn't want us to be ignorant about it. Verse 2, you know that you were unbelievers without God. That's what the word Gentiles mean. You were unbelievers without God. I mean, I know I was. I was an unbeliever without God. And I was a carried away unto dumb ideas as I was led by the flesh. Fortunately, fewer and far there between, I get carried away by dumb ideas that are led by the flesh. But that's maturity. I mean, if you're still, still dealing with the effects of dumb decisions you make every day, then you may be being led by the flesh. 
fact is, there's probably a pretty good chance that you're operating out of your fleshly nature, out of your own nature instead of God's nature. So we want to talk about then the kingdom of God. We want to talk about the spiritual things, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now what we have referred to as gifts here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are so much more. So much more than, than could be described by gifts. So let's go down to verse 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verse, and we'll probably go through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but it is the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. First off, that word diversities, differences, and diversities, it's used three times, it's the exact same word. But in English, you don't use the same word over and over and over again. So they changed it up. So it's the same word. There are different gifts, there are different ministries, there are different activities. Pretty simple, right? So there are three different characteristics or three different groups of things that Paul is talking about here. He's not talking just about gifts. He's also talking about ministries and of activities. And when we look at these gifts, ministries, and activities we'll see that there are nine of them listed here by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we would be better to refer to these, instead of gifts, as empowerments, because they fit all the criteria. Every one of the nine empowerments listed here do just that. They empower the believer to do something that they otherwise could not do without the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And therefore, one of the reasons I think we see that these empowerments lacking in modern day and not in operation nearly as much as we should is because people are not operating with power. It's never been uh, imparted to them, right? They've never been willing to receive the power. They've never come to maturity. I mean, one of the reasons... That they're, not, that, that they're not in operation as much as they should be is because we as believers as a whole are not empowered as we should be. I mean, it's like we turn on the light and it's really dim. You ever done that? Turn on a light and it's really dim? Yeah, because there's not enough voltage or maybe there's not enough amperage running it. And that's kind of the way it is in, in the life of the believer. It's like we've got a little bit of maturity. We've got a little bit of willingness there's been a little impartation, there's been a little, you know, a little bit of an empowerment, and I'm fairly persuaded. And so your light bulb is dim. My light bulb is dim, is why the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation in the church like they should be. The word empowerment just means something that is uh, freely provided. There's a free flow. There's a free flow here from God to you, from the Holy Spirit to you. Verse 8. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 10. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings by the same Spirit. We'll be talking about gifts of healings next Sunday on healing service. To another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues. Or in the original Greek, it's just kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now the interesting thing 
is seven of these nine empowerments were in operation in the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament. A lot of people don't know that. They're like, well, I thought this was just things the Holy Spirit gave. Well, the Holy Spirit was alive in the Old Testament, too. Seven of these nine empowerments were available in the Old Covenant. Only two are exclusive to the New Covenant. And I'm sure you know which ones those are. That's tongues. Why? Because when you receive power from on high, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, right? So that is exclusive to the New Testament. You don't find that in the Old Testament. And now that we have different kinds of tongues, he said, well, I'd like you to know from time to time what's being spoken in tongues. So he gave us the empowerment of interpretation of tongues. Amen? So seven of these nine are working in the Old Testament, two in the New Testament. Let's just look at an Old Testament example related to the word of wisdom. Go with me to the book of Joshua. That's in the Old Testament, right after the Pentateuch, right after the first five books of the Bible. You'll see the book of Joshua, chapter 3. We're going to bounce around a little bit just for the sake of time. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 and then 11 through 16. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. See, Jesus said this same thing to you. He says, if I go to be with the Father, I'm going to send you another comforter so that you will be able to be exalted, not for self's sake, but for God's sake, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to be Jesus on the earth. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm not Jesus. No, but you are Christ in the sense that you could put a little C in front of it because that word means anointed, and that's what Jesus is interpreted to, the Messiah, Christ, Jesus the Christ. You are supposed to be the anointing of God in the world, the anointed ones. Jesus was the anointed one, capital C, right? And we are the anointed ones, little c. So just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. God is saying, just as I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, this is verse 8, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. See, this is a word of wisdom. It's telling Joshua what and how to do it. It's a word of wisdom. Did Joshua know what to do? No, Joshua saw a swollen, flooded river. And he's got the children of Israel. Forty years ago, they approached the Red Sea and God parted the waters. Now, he knows that, but that was Moses and Moses' rod. And this was the man that God had called Moses. But see, God had just told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So as I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. But that doesn't mean that we always know everything we're to do and how we're to do it, do we? I mean, sometimes I think that would be really nice, but where would faith be? But now the Lord speaks to Joshua through the word of wisdom and says, hey, here's how and what you are to do. Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord all of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one man from every tribe. 
And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out their, their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Verse 15. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. See, the Lord gave Joshua a word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom caused, because he took the word of wisdom and applied it, it caused the waters to stop and the entire nation of Israel to cross the swollen Jordan River. See, a word of wisdom is a word that is given to you to tell you what and how. And we're going to see that it's different than a word of knowledge, and sometimes the two kind of cross over. But a word of knowledge is to, to tell you the something. It may show you the why. It may show you why somebody's dealing with something. Generally because the Holy Spirit wants to do something for that individual. But the word of wisdom. See, these endowments from the Holy, from the Holy Spirit are not just for Sunday service or crusades. Joshua was standing at the bank of a river. Joshua had a problem. Joshua had millions of complaining Jews. I just say that because when you read the scriptures, it seems like from the time Moses took them out of Egypt, they were always complaining. And now they're up against the Jordan River. And I can imagine, oh, Joshua, what are you going to do? The river's swollen. We can't cross here. There's no way that we can do this. Like the ten spies who went in years earlier, went in and spied out Jericho and came back and said, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. The cries must have been loud in Joshua's ears. No, we can't do it. We've tried this before. We can't do it. Moses, our leader, is dead. We can't do it. And the word of wisdom comes to Joshua on <coughs> facing a swollen Jordan River. The endowments from the Holy Spirit can operate in your life at work. They can operate in your life at playtime. The Holy Spirit is not limited to these four walls or to a big crusade hall. But we have, we have spiritualized these endowments so much that we think that they can only operate in the minister's life. Only if there's a special dispensation of anointing upon him. He was anointed by green olives instead of black. I don't know. But the, these endowments of the Holy Spirit are intended to work in your life as the Spirit wills. As somebody who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, they should be operating in our life as He wills, at the time He wills, for the purpose that He wills. But again, we lack maturity. And I know that there are times that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and we just blow it off. We just think it's the pizza we had last night. 
Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but the manifestation, that means the, ex- the expression or the exhibition of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, the Holy Spirit is looking to exhibit God's love through His empowerments. Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. That's why they're supposed to profit. They're supposed to profit the church. They should be profiting you. They should be profiting the world. We need to be willing. We need to be mature. I mean, if you've been born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been powered because that power has connected with you. It's been endued into your life. But we need to to be willing to use it. We need to, to, to mature. We need to, to, to be obedient in the, act, in the application of it. Let me close with this, as again, I did last week, because we're going to pick up next week. Again, let me read this. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, 8 through 10. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. See, the Holy Spirit is willing to empower you. Are you ready and willing to allow Him to empower you? Hallelujah. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at ValorCC.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.